Good evening and welcome to Spirit of Grace Church. Thank you for being with us tonight. We pray and trust that God is blessing you, moving on your behalf, and that all things are well in the kingdom of God. Praise God. I want to read from Philippians chapter 4 tonight, and uh, I want to talk tonight about finding peace in anxious times. Finding peace in anxious times. There's there's a, a spirit of anxiety in the world today um, with everything that's going on, and I want to address some of that tonight. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, this is Paul writing to the church at Philippi. Verse number 6 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And so tonight we want to talk about finding peace in anxious times. There are some of us that remember all the way back to September 11th, 2001, when the terrorists attacked American soil by using our own commercial aircraft against us. And with the attack came a whole new set of worries and fears that entered the hearts and the minds of uh, our American citizens. And this was amplified uh, several times over throughout the years, whether it be a mass shooting somewhere, whether it be a political upheaval, whether it be an economical downturn, whatever it is. And we're even seeing it now today with what's going on over in Israel and we pray for those that are in Israel. We stand with Israel. Those that bless Israel, Israel will be blessed, and those that curse Israel will be cursed. And we want to stand on the side of blessing. But we, I remember back even when I was working with the post office when anthrax was a, a huge concern and worry and, and all of the biological attacks on our cities and uh, all of the school shootings, etc., etc., etc. We are living in times of high anxiety. And even today with all of the unrest and the rioting and all of the different things that are happening, you can pick up any newspaper, listen or watch any news broadcast, and you know what I'm talking about. And so that brings us, after all of those things, and you, you, you have your own cares, your own worries, your own stress points of life, that brings us to the scripture and what Paul writes to those in Philippi and for chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, and we read it, but be anxious for nothing but in all prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And uh, the story is told uh, of a Sunday school class that the teacher was standing before the class and they asked the question to the people that were there. And their question was simply this, in your time of discouragement, what is your favorite scripture? Young man said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, Psalm 23, 1. A middle-aged woman said, God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble, Psalm 46, 1. Another woman said, in this world you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world, John 16, 33 to 35. And then there was an old man by the name of Mr. John, who was 80 years old, had a head full of white hair and... and um, uh, leathered and weathered skin, if you will. And he stood up and he said as, with as much strength as he could, he said, and it came to pass 85 times in the Bible. And the class started to laugh a little, thinking that Mr. John's lack of memory was 
getting the best of him, but when the snickering stopped, when the things died down in the class, <clears throat> the man said, at 30, I lost my job with six hungry mouths to feed and a wife to feed, and I didn't know how I would make it. At 40, my eldest son was killed overseas in war, and it knocked me down. At 50, my house burned to the ground. Nothing was left or saved of the house. At 60, my wife of 40 years got cancer. It slowly ate away at her. We cried together many a night on our knees in prayer. At 65, she passed away, and I still miss her today. The agony I went through in each of these situations was unbelievable. Mr. John said, I wondered where God was. But each time I looked in the Bible, I saw one of those 85 verses that said, and it came to pass. I felt that God was telling me my pain and my circumstances were also going to pass and that God would get me through it. What a perspective tonight from an elder. And it came to pass. We discover three keys in the passage that we read in Philippians of dealing with uh, anxious times or finding peace in anxious times. And uh, I believe that we are living in a day and age where peace is hard to come by for most people, but yet it is possible if we're willing to lean on the Lord. And so I want to look tonight a little bit closer at this passage of Scripture. And Paul starts by telling the church in Philippi, be anxious for nothing. In other words, the first key to finding peace in anxious times is to worry about nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but if a member of our church came to me worried and stressed out and my response to them was, well, what are you worried for? Well, don't worry about anything. Uh, I don't know how well that would be received since things are such the way it is, but that's what Paul is telling the church in Philippi and what he's telling us tonight. Don't worry about anything. When the Bible tells us not to worry, it does so for our own benefit. Because worry causes damage to our lives. Do you know what happens? I read this several years ago, but do you know what happens to a human body when they start to worry? Worry is basically stress on the body. So when talking about worry, we're really talking about stress. And worry causes the heart rate to go up and the arteries to constrict, which has the effect of increasing uh, of our blood pressure. And increased blood pressure increases the risk of heart attack and stroke. We, worry can also cause the levels of cholesterol, excuse me, the cholesterol to increase, which obviously uh, uh, increases the, the, the likelihood or the risk of arteriosclerosis. Worry increases the blood's clotting ability, thereby increasing the risk of blood clots. Worry increases sugar levels in the blood, and so long-term worry can lead to type 2 diabetes, or adult onset diabetes, it's also known as. Worry weakens the body's immune system. I think one of the reasons why we've struggled with the pandemic and getting herd immunity is because of worry and concern. Because when the immune system becomes more susceptible to disease based on worry, worry increases the activity of our nervous system, which can lead to increased muscle tension, muscle tension headaches, uh, migraine, headaches, ulcers, skin rash, any number of the above. See, short-term worry may not be very harmful if it doesn't happen very often, but long-term worry and stress can really take a toll on the body over the years. And this is what can happen 
to a person psychologically who is stressed out and worries excessively. Everybody experiences some degree of anxiety in response to life's frustrations, its annoyances, its challenges, but it's it's not unusual for us to worry about our family, whether they're safe, whether they're well, our health, our job, our other personal issues. But the, the flip side is, is worrying can become a problem if it develops into a habit. There's a lot of people that are habitual worriers. When we find ourselves spending most of our time speculating on what big bad things are going to happen next and, and what might happen in our life and some warning signs that you've become a habitual worrier is you feel anxious most of the time or you're having trouble pinpointing why you're anxious avoiding situations that may be the source of your anxious feelings and losing interest in activities that you one at one time enjoyed uh, participating in. And uh, excessive worrying can lead to the development of what is classified as an anxiety disorder. And uh, today, anxiety disorders are one of the most commonly reported psychological problems that are out there affecting around 12 to 20 percent. I know that's a big swing, but at, you know, 15, 16 percent of Americans are dealing with some kind of an anxiety disorder, and around 30 percent of patients seeking help from physicians are experiencing anxiety-related symptoms or problems. Think of that, 30 percent, 3 in 10 are dealing with that. That's a high percentage. And all anxiety disorders involve physiological symptoms such as heart racing, chest tightness, dizziness, insomnia, and uh, uh, just in being able to to do a little bit of research, I don't declare to know all of this, but some of the main anxiety disorders are a generalized anxiety uh, disorder, which consists of uh, excessive anxiety, believe it or not, and worry, and difficulty controlling worry, uh, irritability, sleep disturbance, muscle tension and headaches, and a lot of fatigue. Uh, that's that's just a general anxiety disorder. A second disorder is called the obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, which consists of obsessions as defined by recurrent and persistent thoughts, impulses or images and compulsions as, divide, as defined by re- repetitive behaviors or mental acts that the individual feels driven to perform um, in order to reduce stress or prevent some dreaded situation. We we kind of tease one another sometimes of our OCD because we want everything just in the right order. And, and to a certain extent, you know, it, it's lighthearted. But when you have that OCD disorder, if you will, that, that obsessive compulsive disorder, it stresses you out when things are out of place or when uh, things aren't done just the right way and it causes stress and worry, that's when it becomes really a disorder. There's a panic disorder, which consists of sudden panic attacks out of nowhere or periods of intense fear, uh, discomfort, um, agoraphobia, which is widely misunderstood. It's, it, the literal definition success, uh, suggests a fear of open spaces um, but it, it's really an incomplete and misleading view. Agoraphobics are not necessarily afraid of open spaces. They're afraid of having panicking feelings wherever those fearful feelings may occur. 
For many, they happen at home in houses of worship or crowded supermarkets or places that are certainly not quote-unquote open, but there's a lot of people around. In fact, agoraphobia is a condition that develops when a person begins to avoid situations or spaces associated that they have associated with anxiety. And uh, some of those typical situations may be driving, shopping, crowded places, standing in line, traveling, meetings, social gatherings. And uh, it arises really from an internal anxiety condition uh, that has become so intense and that the suffering individual fears going anywhere, doing anything where those feelings of panic have reportedly occurred or repeatedly occurred before. And once the panic attack starts, these episodes can have ongoing stress. So it's not just the stress of the moment, but it's an ongoing stress, even where other more obvious pressures have diminished, it really causes a, a, an overt, uh, and, and I've been around people that have had panic attacks, and it doesn't just fix itself in just a hurry. Um, and the doctors call it a feedback condition, which means that you have a panic attack, but then you have a panic attack because you had a panic attack. Because you had a panic attack, you have another panic attack. And it just increases the situation, the events that causes those feelings to where people are almost locked down and, and fearful. And um, so that they end up walking in a continuous panic, mode of panic almost, uh, or feeling overall a, a discomfort or uh, for lack of a better term than panic, something, somebody that is losing control all the time, or they're embarrassing, they find themselves being embarrassed in certain situations around people. And so many people remain in a painful state of anxious anticipation because of these fears. They're, they're locked up, they're tied up because of these anxious feelings or these stress points. Some have become so bad that they've been restricted or housebound, while there's others that can function quote-unquote normally, but with great difficulty, oftentimes trying to hide their discomfort. Agoraphobia then is a severe anxiety condition and a phobia, as well as a pattern of avoiding behavior. In other words, it's worrying about getting into a place of worry. And then you have all the other phobias that are out there, which consists of irrational dread, even though all of us have some kind of a phobia. I have a phobia of heights, a compelling desire to uh, to avoid it, a specific object, a situation, an activity. In short, anxiety and chronic worry can prevent us from living a full, happy life that God intended us to live. And in Proverbs 12, 25, uh, the writer says it this way, anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. Part of the reason that America especially, but really around the world, is so heavy is because we have allowed worry and anxiety. We haven't followed the prescription that Paul gives us that said, don't be anxious for anything or don't worry about anything. And we become filled with worry, anxiety. Uh, our heart is going to get heavy. It's going to drag us down. And so Paul tells us, don't be stressed out about it. Don't worry about it. Because worry is almost always unproductive. So, someone has defined worry as stewing without doing. Or I heard one person uh, describe it as worries like a rocking chair. It requires an investment of your energy, but it doesn't get you anywhere. And you could say that worry is interest paid on trouble uh, before it is due. And 
Worry never moves you one inch closer to a solution. All these different sayings, and they're all true. But the point of the matter is worry cannot change the past or control the future. It just makes you miserable in the present. Let me say that again. Worry can't change the past or affect the future. It just makes you miserable today. The only thing that worry changes is you. I want to say that again. The only thing that worry changes is you. Corey Tenboom said it this way. She said this, and I quote, Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strengths. I like that. It lets me know what worry is really all about. And, and now we've said that worry causes physical and psychological damage, and that's true. But <clears throat> it, it, worry also is a spiritual problem, a spiritual issue. Uh, and when you're worrying, here's what you're really when you are consumed with worry. Here's what you're really saying. You're saying God isn't big enough to handle the situations of my life. That's what worry is saying. Um, instead of trusting God, I have to manage this for myself. You feel like you're the one that's responsible for your life and for the lives of those around you. And, and, and really, it goes all the way back to, <coughs> excuse me, it goes back all the way to the original sin of mankind, the original sin that the I, independent of God, shall be as God. And you can say that worry is really practical atheism. It's acting as if there is no God. When you worry, if, if you don't think that God can control all things and take care of all things, you begin to worry. Um, worrying is really ultimately playing God by assuming the responsibility that belongs to God. So that's why Paul is telling us, don't worry about it, because worry is not your responsibility. Worry is God's responsibility, and he's not worried about anything because he can control everything. You know, but we get ourselves in situations where it freaks us out. If you placed me in the cockpit of a 747 hurling down a runway, I would be major stressed out because I can't even fly a Piper Cub. But, and yet at times I'll sit in the driver's seat of my life and think that I can handle life and I can't. Uh, my life is a 747, you know, rolling down a runway coming to the end of the road, if you will, and I'm trying to still figure out how to control it. And uh, that's why we worry. That's why we get stressed out. We have to learn to trust God with our lives. Uh, God is the one that's in control. He's going to jump in, uh, in when we're at the worst point in time. He's the one that can handle it. He's the one that can direct us. Um, some of us have found our attempts not to worry to be very difficult because if you aren't worrying about things, if I'm not worrying about things, uh, I can feel like I'm in denial or I'm betraying people. But the actual fact is that when you refuse to worry and you trust God instead of, uh, of being so overstressed out about things, you're doing the most sane and the most effective thing you can do. Don't worry about it. Worry, anxiety, and stress are harmful to us physically, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically. So Paul says it. This isn't me saying it. This is Paul telling us, don't worry about anything. Instead of trying to handle life on your own, instead of trying to figure it out on your own, and I don't know why this message keeps coming back to us at Spirit of Grace Church in a lot of the messages and teachings and things, so maybe maybe God's trying to get somebody's attention that we're we're really pushing too hard on trying to control things 
on our own, instead of trying to handle those things on our own, we're supposed to trust God with the anxiety creating things in our lives. And the way we do that is through prayer. Paul said it this way in the second half of Philippians 4, 6, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So the second key to finding peace, the first one is don't pray about anything or don't worry about anything. The second key is to pray about everything. In other words, instead of worrying about it, pray about it. That's how we release our worries. That's that is our re- stress reliever, if you will, when we put our trust in God, when we turn it over to Him in prayer, when we turn our anxious thoughts into prayer requests. In in so doing, you turn your eyes off the problem and you turn your eyes onto God, who is the problem solver. And, and remember, when we work, we work, but when we pray, God works. I'll say that again: when we work, we work, but when we pray. God works. When you pray about it, you are taking your problems out of your hands and placing them in God's hands. And my question tonight is, whose hands would you rather have your problems hold? I heard about a guy who worried all the time, and I find this kind of funny. He worried about his checkbook, his investments, his wife, his kids, his mortgage payments. He worried about the fact that he worried so much. And so finally, one of his friends hit him with a question and said, man, why do you worry so much? You're always so agitated. Not anymore, the man replied. How's that, the friend inquired. Well, the the gentleman explained. He said, I hired somebody to worry for me. I put an ad in the newspaper and offered $10,000 a week to somebody qualified to to, uh, make me worry-free by doing all of the worrying for me. The friend laughed. He says, and how do you think you're going to pay him? The man shot back. Hey, that's his problem. (laughs) That's something he needs to worry about. Don't you wish it was that easy? And really it is to a certain extent. We don't have to hire anyone. We have a God that wants to handle our problems for us. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Giving, your, giving God your worry, anxieties, cares is an act of humility. What you're really saying is, Lord, I can't handle this, but I know that you can. A corollary verse can be found in Psalm 55, 22. It says this, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. Cast your burden on the Lord literally means to throw your burdens down or slam them down at the feet of God. The way you do that is in prayer. In other words, whenever you are worry-filled, anxious thoughts come to mind Instead of sitting there and stewing on it, pray about it. And through prayer, you can slam down your worries, if you will, or you cast them down at the feet of Jesus. So whether they're family problems, health problems, financial problems, whatever it is, cast it at the feet of Jesus. So along in your day comes a stressful thought about your family, anxious thought. And the natural tendency is to grab a hold of it and stew on it. Oh man, my teenager's rebellious and isn't serving God. He's probably going to end up on drugs or get in a gang or end up on some rock concert somewhere doing something that he knows he shouldn't do. Not only that, he could end up never coming back to Christ and he could die and, and lose out with God. Well, while you're stewing on that, another thought of worry comes to your mind. There have been layoffs at the Sprint plant. It could be that I'll be next. If I get laid off, I won't be able to keep my new bass boat. 
Worse than that, I may not be able to make my monthly payments and lose my car or even my house. And for goodness sake, what am I thinking? I won't be able to buy any food for my family and me. We'll all be out on the street, hungry and hopeless. And while you're stressing on that, another thought comes to you. All this worry has given me a headache. Wait a minute. What if it isn't just a headache? What if it's a brain tumor? Yes, that's it. In fact, I think I can feel it pushing on my brain right now. Oh God, I'm going to die. Now, I I know that's probably somewhat of an exaggerated example, but that's why the Bible tells us not to worry, but instead to pray and in prayer to cast down or slam down our cares at the foot of, of of the Lord. So let me show you what that looks like. An anxious thought comes, my teenager has been acting rebellious. Well, God, you gave me that child, and I have committed that child to you. I took him to Sunday school. I pray for him daily, and I trust him into your hands. I'm not going to worry about it. He's your responsibility. And you cast that at his feet. Yes, there's been layoffs at the plant, but you're the God that supplies all of my family's needs according to your riches and glory. I'm going to continue to be the best employee I can, pray for the company, trust you, and even if I do get laid off, you'll provide for me, maybe through another job, but I refuse to worry about it. I give it over to you, and I cast it at his feet. The doctor's report wasn't good, but it's not my responsibility to worry. I'm going to take good care of myself. I'm going to follow my doctor's instructions, and I'm going to claim the Bible's promise of divine healing, and Lord, I trust you with my health, in Jesus' name, amen. And that's and, and you've cast it down at his feet again. But here's the problem with a lot of us. We do that prayer and we cast it at his feet, but it's very quickly that we come back and pick it back up. You see, once you cast them at the feet of the Lord, don't ask for them back by setting your mind on them again. If you do, he's going to give it back to you because they're your problems. So once you cast them on him, let him handle them and don't take them back until they've been wrapped in grace and mercy and they're freeing. That's how you cast your burdens on the Lord. You do it through prayer. When an anxious thought comes, instead of worrying about it, pray about it. But then there's one other key found in this scripture in verse number six that I want to address before we're done tonight. And that is this. The key to finding peace in anxious times is to thank God in all things. I want you to notice something, though. It never says for all things. It says in all things. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for for you uh, in Christ Jesus. It didn't say thank God for all things because God isn't the creator of all things, like confusion. He's not the author of confusion. Instead, it says, in everything, even in the bad things, even in the difficulty things, even in the mess that you're in, give God thanks. In everything, give thanks, not for everything. I don't thank God for everything, but I thank him in everything. I thank him that whatever I'm going through, I still know who he is. I'm thankful that when I'm hurting, I still know who the healer is. When I'm lost, I know who the anchor is. When the the life is is causing me anxious situations, I can take a step back knowing who he is. I can give him thanks in the middle of that. You see, when we go to prayer over situations in our life, we should have the ability or the attitude, if you will, to say, thank you, Lord, for your goodness to me. Thank you that you are the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise God. Uh, You are a good God who has the very best in mind for me. I thank you that you are faithful, 
and gracious. I can't handle the problems in my life, but I thank you that you are big enough. You are strong enough and wise enough to handle all of them. That's the attitude that we need to have. When you hear me pray, almost, I learned this a long time ago, and it becomes, if somebody's just listening to me, it almost sounds like it's just rote conversation. But I will start just about every prayer that I pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness and your mercy for always loving me. Those things are true. No matter how what life is like, his goodness is still there. His kindness is still there. His mercy is still there. His love is still there. And so pray about everything. Have a thankful attitude. And as you give your worries to God in prayer and you do it with thanksgiving, you take your eyes off of yourself and you place them on him. And when your eyes are on him, all you can see is him, the goodness, the righteousness, the holiness. You're not getting consumed with all the things that you're dealing with here. And see, the Bible then promises us that when when all that happens, then we will discover the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And the word guard is the same word used to describe an armed soldier on duty to protect a city. It means some powerful things. In the old King James Version, it says that the peace of God shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The word keep there is an old English word. If you go to Europe, even today, where you find numerous castles, you'll get into some of the castles and that you have to go through is what is called the keep. It is the first gate of the castle. You have to walk through the first gate to get to the castle grounds. It kept the castle, if you will. So if an enemy went through there, they were considered on the grounds of the castle, they were stopped in the keep. If you walked in the keep, the soldiers would be standing up on balconies ready to to fill you with arrows or pour hot oil on you or throw rocks on your head, whatever it could be. The enemy couldn't keep make it through the keep. And that's the word where the English word keep came from. The Lord's peace is your keep. When you learn not to worry about it, when you worry about to pray about it, when you learn how to rejoice and give thanks about it, all of a sudden the Lord's peace becomes your keep. And if you're applying verse 6 of chapter 4 that we read, before worry can overcome you, it has to get through the peace of God. You see, that is your protection. When you don't worry about it, when you pray about it, and when you thank God in the midst of it, it becomes a peace of God that passes understanding, and it becomes your keep. You are protected. And so tonight we have talked about these three keys to finding peace in anxious time. It is my prayer that somehow, some way, in all of the stuff that we're dealing with in society today, that some way you and I can look at the Lord and say, I'm not going to worry about it. Social media can say what it wants. The news can say what it wants. The politics can say what it wants. All of the things that are going on in the world can say whatever it wants. I'm not going to worry about it because he's got the whole world in his hand. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to take it to where the one person that can make a difference will make a difference. And then I'm going to be thankful in everything that's going on around us. God, no matter how bad it seems to get in this world, you're still my God. You're still my Savior. And when we do all of that, we will experience God's peace in the midst of all of the anxious times that we're living. All of us today are facing or we will soon encounter situations and problems that will tempt us to worry 
to get anxious, to get stressed out. But when you do, take these three keys that Paul gives us in Philippians that will enable you to put them in God's hands and experience his peace. You see, I'd like you to think of the biggest worry, the biggest concern, the biggest problem in your life right now. Imagine it in your hands if it were a piece of paper. Literally see the problem and feel the stress that it causes and then cast it at the feet of Jesus through prayer and thanksgiving and see if the peace of God will not settle in. Would you pray with me now? Jesus, we're thankful for your goodness and your mercy to us. We thank you for your many blessings and your love. Lord, I'm asking you to help each and every one tonight learn how to become worry-free by not worrying about anything, but praying about everything and giving you thanks in everything. Lord, you have the best in mind for all of us. And I pray, Lord, that the peace that passes understanding will just flow from where I'm talking now across the airwaves to wherever and whenever somebody is watching this or listening to it. And I'm asking you to let your peace settle into their lives. Again, Lord, help us not to worry about anything, but pray about everything and worship and give thanks in everything. And tonight we'll be careful to give you praise and glory because you are the only one that's worthy. We love you and appreciate you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. May God richly bless you tonight. If the Lord should tarry, we'll be back on Sunday. Thank you, thank you, thank you for spending some time with us. And I trust that this next couple of days will be worry-free for you. In Jesus' name.